Welcome to the Managing Motherhood Podcast, a place for real talk about the fun and not so fun aspects of motherhood. I'm Orlisa Poole, a mom, trained psychotherapist, and empowerment coach, and I help emotionally overwhelmed moms find confidence and calm so they can experience the joy that is motherhood. Each week, I share tips and tricks for moms who want to stay in control, stay on top of your mental health, and manage the challenges inherent to motherhood. In case you didn't know, Managing Motherhood provides online therapy and coaching for moms who love their children but aren't loving motherhood. If you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed, stressed out, or you're just tired of feeling like you can't cut it as a mom, my solutions-focused therapy and empowerment coaching can help you find confidence and calm so that you can actually enjoy parenting. If you're ready to ditch the anxiety and mom guilt and learn to manage motherhood with joy and on your own terms, head over to psychotherapyformoms.com to learn more and schedule a free consultation. Hello. Thank you so much for listening to the Managing Motherhood podcast. If you are new here, welcome to the podcast. And if you've been here before, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you so much for giving me some more of your time. So today I really want to talk about anxiety, specifically my experience with anxiety. I want to share my story and how anxiety, you know, plays into me being a mom, but then also what I do to manage my anxiety. I think it's really important that I share this information. One, because as helping professionals, people who help people, you know, with these sort of issues, I think it's really important for us to let people know, like, yeah, you know, anxiety is a part of being human. And just because I help people manage their anxiety doesn't mean I don't have to do things to manage my own anxiety. So part of it is just showing that no, I'm not perfect. And yes, I am affected by the same things you are affected by. You know, in my time as a therapist, I've been told so many things. I've been told, you know, recently I've been told, oh my goodness, you must be such a perfect mom. Oh, you must never get angry at your kids, which is not true. Well, first of all, I only have one child. But no, I get angry with him. I am not a perfect mom by any means. Um, I've been told in the past, oh, I could never see you be angry. And again, I don't know what it is. People think I don't ever get angry, but yes, I do get angry. So I think it's really important for me to share the fact that no, I'm not perfect. And yes, I do have some of the same struggles. And I also think it's important because, you know, someone out there who's facing something similar can go, oh, okay, that's anxiety. Oh, wow. And, you know, a lot of times, even if you're in therapy, even if you're, you know, managing anxiety very well, it never hurts to go, oh, maybe I could try that. So. I want to share that information with you guys, and I hope that you find it to be really useful. So I have always been a pretty anxious person. As a child, I was really anxious. I worried a lot about different things, mainly like fear-based things, something going wrong. So at one point, I developed like a pretty strong aversion to dirt and germs to the point where I just straight up refused to use public restrooms. And I would just hold it. You know, if I was lucky, I would hold it until I got home and then I would feel very comfortable. But, you know, also sometimes I did end up using a public restroom and it was really stressful for me. 
I waited until the very last minute. And then I had this ritual that I did when I went into the bathroom to like decrease the amount of germs I came in contact with. And I laugh about it now, but as a kid, you know, it was very serious, my bathroom protocol. And as an adult, you know, the anxiety kind of traveled with me. It really came to a head when I was in grad school and going through a lot of transitions. And I went on medication for the anxiety because it was really affecting, you know, my ability to function. It was really taking up a lot of my brain space. And I was in therapy for a couple of years and I found it both the medication and the therapy to be extremely useful. And things got a lot better. I learned a lot of coping skills and I learned, you know, to manage my anxiety a lot better. So I ended up did, you know, I did end up, you know, being able to wean off of the medication. I ended up graduating from therapy, which was exciting and really scary at the same time. But yeah, so I worked through a lot of anxiety I had just about transitions and life changes at that time. And things were pretty good until I had my son and then the anxiety popped up again. And now I do identify as this anxious person, this anxious mom, because the anxiety had kind of, you know, it, 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 it lay low for a little bit, but then motherhood came. And again, I've always been someone who struggles with transitions. So the transition into motherhood was pretty difficult for me. So when my son first came, it was the beginning of the pandemic. And so I had him in January of 2020. Oh, and for anyone that's listening, I always say that he's two years old because I don't like to count months, but he is not two. He's a little under two. So I had him January 2020. And that was right when we were first learning about the pandemic. So you know, the way I remember it is basically I came home from the hospital and the news was like, there's a pandemic. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but that's how I remember it. And in my mind, it was like, holy crap, I have this new baby and everything says that, you know, um, people who are high risk could die from this thing. So people who are elderly, people who are, you know, brand new babies who haven't been able to develop an immune system yet, like they are really high risk. So for me, knowing that there was this pandemic and people were dying, people were getting really, really sick. And I had this new baby who was high risk. It really triggered my anxiety. And I began to have a lot of intrusive thoughts and a lot of worry about what would happen to my baby and if my baby got sick. And, you know, it's easy for me to look back and talk about it now. But in that moment, like in that time, it was so serious. And my worry got to the point where I became obsessed with learning stats about COVID. So, you know, back then I am a big advocate of sleep when the baby sleeps. So we would be, you know, up at night together. And before I, well, when he woke me up at night, the first thing I did anytime I woke up was go on my phone and Google Washington, D.C. coronavirus just to see the stats, to see the number of people that had died number of people that caught it, you know, during the day, I would take a nap with my son. When I woke up, first thing I would do, go to my phone, Washington, D.C., coronavirus. I would Google it. And then I would also check the Weather Channel. The Weather Channel had an app that would tell me the stats for Washington, D.C. And I was checking those two things, Google to see, you know, new articles. What are we learning? What are the stats on COVID and kids? But then the Weather Channel. So yeah, multiple times a day, 
I was checking my sources. And I would also, you know, to try to make myself feel better, I would do calculations and go, okay, well, what is the death rate? You know, is the death rate still under 2%? What is it now? Um, What are the rates of, you know, severe infection versus just mild infection? Like I was really, really into it. And it wasn't something that really affected my functioning. I wasn't losing sleep about it. I still took a baby to his doctor's appointments. I was very, very strict with who came into our home. We were very strict about hygiene. We took social distancing and quarantine and isolating very, very seriously. But, you know, I was a new mom. So how much would things have changed anyways? But it took up a lot of space in my head. And it did take away from time that I was able to enjoy with my baby, even though it wasn't necessarily affecting my functioning. So at some point, I don't remember when I realized, yeah, this isn't going to work. I got to get it together. This isn't normal for me. Probably one of those days where I was like Googling COVID stats, you know, for the fourth time where I was like, okay, you got to do something about this. So what I did in that moment was I started to tell myself, you know, because I'm a big fan of mindfulness. So for my clients who are suffering with anxiety, we talk a lot about being in the present moment and, you know, the consequences of being in your head and missing out on the present moment. And I realized that when I was looking at COVID stats, when I was worried about what was going to happen to my baby, those were moments, moments that I can't ever get back where I wasn't able to enjoy being a new mom. I wasn't able to enjoy having this baby because I was so terrified of losing him. So what I started doing was, first of all, I put a ban on looking up COVID stats because I knew that wasn't healthy. So in those moments, like looking up those stats was a way for me to ease my anxiety, but then it also fueled my anxiety. So what I needed to do was cope with my anxiety in a way that was not looking up COVID stats, which kind of became a crutch almost. So in those moments, when I was feeling really anxious, I would ask myself, what can I do right now? Like in the present moment, my baby's not sick. COVID's not in my household. So what can I do right now to make my situation better? Like say my son does catch COVID. Is worrying in the moment going to change things? No. Is it going to make it any easier? No. What can I do in the present moment to make things better? And the answer was usually spend time with my baby. If something happens to me, if something happens to him, Do I want to know that so much time was wasted worrying or do I want to know that I made the best of every single moment? So in those moments, I asked myself, what can I do right now to make things better? And I went and I, you know, got on the floor with my kid. I held him. I played with him. I did whatever it was that was the answer to my question. What can I do in this moment to make things better? And it was usually spend time with my family because if anything were to happen, That's what I need. I need family time, not a bunch of time spent worrying. That is basically how I realized my anxiety was back. And that's how I started to deal with it, you know, regarding the pandemic anxiety. But there were also other things happening that, you know, once you (laughs) once you realize one thing, you're like, oh, actually, it's playing in this way, this way, this way, too. So something else that I was experiencing and that you know, I still have to manage on a daily basis is just worry about things going wrong. That same worry that I had as a kid, like I could always just imagine accidents. So I've I've always been extremely risk averse. I don't take risks. 
Because in my head, like, if there's a possible risk, you know that's what's going to happen. So when it came to my son, that really played out when I had difficulty with other people caring for him. So again, these things never really affected my functioning. It didn't really play a role in the decisions necessarily that I was making, but it did take up a lot of brain space. So um, when I went back to work, initially I was going back to work virtually, but I still, you know, because of the nature of my work, I needed someone to come in my home. And because of COVID, of course, I wasn't ready to send my son to daycare. So my sister came and she was my nanny. She came to my house every day when she was at home. She was quarantining. She was being very COVID safe. So I felt comfortable having her in my home and with my child. So she came every day and she was my nanny and she was the most amazing nanny. My sister loves my son so very much. She's a very great aunt, but I still felt a lot of anxiety because she was very playful with him. So she would do things with him like, I don't even remember now, um, but she would do things with him like swing him around or she would put him on her back and, you know, very playful things, very active and physical things. And in my anxious mom mind, I always saw her dropping him. I saw him getting hurt and it would really terrify me. So I had to tell myself in those moments, she cares about your son. She is not here just for fun. She is here to care for your son. And she understands that part of her role in caring for your son is keeping him alive. It is okay for them to have fun. Oh, and the other thing, my son was having so much fun when they were doing these things. He was laughing and screaming, just having the time of his life. And in my head, I'm like, oh my goodness, you're going to drop him. You're going to drop him. So I coped with that, you know, by reminding myself, she cares about him. It's okay. He's going to be fine. And something similar still happens with my son and my husband. My son's a little older now, but I still have such a hard time, you know, when he's placed in these positions where I'm like, oh my goodness, that's so dangerous. So my husband absolutely loves to put my son up on his shoulders and he's holding him really tight and my son's holding on to his head and he doesn't do it. You know, I'm always beside him, right beside them anytime it happens. But in my head, of course, My son is going to attempt to jump off. He's going to flip off somehow. It's going to be this horrible disaster. And it really, you know, it even like the thought is so strong that it brings up a physical feeling inside of my body. And what I could do is tell my husband, hey, you can't do that. I don't like that. It makes me very anxious. At the same time, in doing that, I'm taking away my husband's agency. I'm being a gatekeeper. And I'm taking away from the fun that they're having together, which is not cool. So in those moments, I tell myself, again, he's not just your son. He is also your husband's son. Your husband cares about him just as much as you do. Your husband wants to keep him alive and well and injury free just as much as you do. And I tell myself that a couple of times and then I allow myself to let it go. So Anytime I have an intrusive thought, I identify the thought like, okay, this thought I'm having means, you know, it's telling me someone's going to get hurt. I identify the thought. I identify that is just that a thought. It's not fact. I provide myself a reframe like your sister cares about this kid just as much as you do. Your husband cares about your child just as much as you do. And then I let it go. Some people, when they have intrusive thoughts, they require distraction in order to let it go. 
I've been doing this for long enough that I can just let it go, move on, think of something else. But so yeah, pandemic anxiety and those intrusive thoughts are two things that played into motherhood for me a lot. And, you know, kind of told me that, hey, anxiety's back. Something that I am currently dealing with, and I'm currently doing a lot of reframes on myself, is milestone anxiety. And milestone anxiety popped up around, I want to say a little after my son was a year old. At that point, I realized that he had a speech delay. So I realized it right away when everything was telling me that he was supposed to have three to five words and he didn't have any at that point. He made a lot of sounds, but he didn't have words. He wasn't doing very much babbling. So he wasn't, you know, even near to having words. And around, I want to say 15 months, I took him to the doctor. I expressed to the doctor my concern and the doctor actually agreed. So we got him evaluated and we got him into speech therapy. And this time was such a stressful time for me. It was stressful, one, because, you know, I've already told you, I'm an anxious mom, right? So I did everything, quote unquote, right. I did everything according to the book. We read to him every night. We didn't have screens on around him. My husband and I were just not watching TV at all. I requested, you know, my sister when she was coming over that she didn't watch TV with him. He had a lot of activity. He had a lot of people talking to him throughout the day. So for him to then have this delay, this developmental delay, it was kind of a shock to me. And it was like, well, there was nothing that I could have done differently. So how am I supposed to fix this now? And again, my anxiety was triggered because I started thinking, what's going to happen? What are the consequences here? What does this mean for his future? I started to worry, you know, that he had a diagnosis outside of the speech delay. And what does that mean for his life? What does it mean for our life? Just so much worry, worry, worry on, you know, when it first started, I would say it was a daily basis, just lots and lots of worry. I remember we did a, an evaluation for early intervention through the county. And as part of the early intervention evaluation, the evaluator asked if I was interested and extra services. And when she offered the extra services, she said extra services for children with special needs. And I kept it together while we were on the call. But as soon as we got off the call, I started bawling because I'd never thought of my child as someone with special needs. And again, it was that anxiety. I was just, you know, what does this mean? What does it mean that my child has special needs? Is he going to need extra assistance? Is that extra assistance going to mean that he can live a fulfilling life, just all of the stuff that, you know, my son was a year old and I am worried about him when he's an adult and the type of life he's going to live and is he going to be able to live this independent life. So of course, I knew that that wasn't going to, you know, it wasn't sustainable. I couldn't have all of that worry. It just wasn't going to work at some point. It was going to start affecting my functioning. So I told myself I really needed to start reframing and I need to start thinking about it differently. So the things I did with that, that were really, really helpful. First thing is I stopped comparing my son to other people. So anytime I have anxiety, I'm all about stats and looking up stats. So of course, when my son had this delay, I would 
look up stats on, you know, like, what does it mean for a child to be delayed? And how many words is he supposed to have at this age and this age? So I stopped doing that whatsoever, stopped looking up stats. And I started to compare my son only to himself. Around this time, of course, everybody's kids talking, right? So in all the mom groups, everybody's, oh, they said this today. Oh, they said this today. Oh, they used two words together in a sentence today. And I would compare my son to them and feel really bad that, you know, I wasn't doing what it took to get him to be doing what these other kids are doing. So I told myself, first of all, no looking up stats, but also no comparing your son to other people. Your son's journey is different from that other child's journey. You know, good for them, not for me, is what I would tell myself, basically. We don't know what it means that he has a speech delay other than he has a speech delay. In this moment, that's all we know. So when he did start to get new words, when he did start babbling, I got excited about it. And instead of, you know, running to my computer and going, what does this mean? It was just that. It was, he didn't babble before and now he does. That's great. He had zero words before and now he has one. That's great. And I started comparing him to himself. And what that did is, first of all, I was able to get excited and be happy about it. But I also wasn't setting myself up for disappointment when I went and Googled stats and realized, oh, but he has one word and he's supposed to have this many. So I really had to be careful with how I was thinking about the situation. I also, again, emphasized remaining in the present moment because we don't know anything other than the present moment. And to this day, I do that. I remain in the present moment. So my son is doing a lot better. He's got lots of words. I don't know how many words he has because I haven't been counting, but I know that he has many more words this month than he had five months ago. I don't know how many words he has compared to other kids because again, I don't do that, but I'm very excited about the progress he has made and about everything we've done to get him to this point. So there are other things I do, other little tips, not that I'm thinking about it, but those are the big ones. The big ones for me for managing my anxiety are remaining in the present, reframing my thinking. And as far as milestone anxiety, comparing my son only to himself, not to other people. So I really hope that this was helpful for you. And I hope that at least one of these things that I'm doing, you can think about it and go, oh, okay, I can do that too. Whether it's, you know, remaining in the present moment and realizing that that's all you know, you can't worry about the future, whether it's, you know, trusting other people with your child and telling yourself those people care about my child as well, or whether it's noticing your intrusive thoughts, reframing, and then letting go of them. So thank you so much for joining me. I hope you found this useful. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Managing Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Orlisa Poole, and I am so grateful that you took the time to listen. If you liked what you heard, please make sure you subscribe so you get alerts every week when I release new episodes. If you know of any other moms who might be feeling overwhelmed, I'd love for you to share this podcast with them. Managing Motherhood provides online therapy and coaching for moms who love their children but aren't loving motherhood. To learn more or to schedule a free consultation, visit psychotherapyformoms.com. Thank you again for tuning into this episode of the Managing Motherhood podcast. See you next time.